0: What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Evil Empire podcast. I'm your host Rohit and today we're going to be talking about the five disappointments from the 2021 NFL season for the Patriots. See, New England has had a ton of success this year, especially for a team that was out of the playoffs last year and looking like they were going to have to start from scratch and then playing in a playoff game just a short year later with a rookie quarterback in a first year new offense. I mean, That is certainly not anything to just scoff at and while this year didn't exactly end the way that we wanted it to the patriots did have a good year overall and they did certainly make a ton of strides regardless of what anyone says but with that being said there were certainly some unfortunate disappointments that we witnessed this season now before i start ranking all the disappointments uh, this list will include all parts of the team this isn't just a players list only Mostly just because, you know, I do feel like some of the disappointments that we saw this past season do go far beyond just, you know, single personnel rankings and, you know, I do think that there was just, there was more than just one guy, more more than just a guy like Johnny Smith or Nelson Aguilar or Dante Hightower. Uh, I probably should have warned you that was a spoiler alert, but they're not exactly in the list that you might think. So we're going to start off with number five and number five is, like I just said, Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is an interesting player. When he's healthy and utilized the right way in a good passing offense, Aguilar is a deadly weapon on this offense. His speed and his decent route running can make him a good option and also a really great clear-out option to open up the middle of the field. Aguilar showed potential in Las Vegas last year, making him a seemingly good pickup for the Patriots. However, he wasn't able to show the same flashes in New England which I'll give him credit for, isn't exactly his fault. See, especially after the first three weeks, we knew that guys like Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, and Nelson Aguilar were going to have a rough first year. Hunter Henry did blossom into a great red zone option, but the other two just simply didn't have a role in the offense. See, Aguilar was signed to bring a hint of speed to the offense, a guy who could be a reliable option when you know New England has to gain more than just five yards on any given play. And, you know, really, I think the problem was New England really already had solid depth at the receiver position. Not certainly before free agency, but certainly after free agency, they just had way too much depth. They had Jacoby Myers, they had Kendrick Bourne, and then they also had two tight ends, one of which did go to waste, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But, you know, they had already two solid receivers, and then also a great tight end. They really just didn't need Aguilar on that offense, and Kendrick Bourne really did take up what Nelson Aguilar was supposed to be. Kendrick Bourne really became Mac Jones' number two target, and he was a guy that was just always reliable. He was a guy that really stepped up in big situations, and he was everything that Nelson Aguilar was supposed to be. Now, again, I I, I do want to preface this. Really, Nelson Aguilar's, you know, lack of production wasn't exactly all his fault. He was just another guy that was underutilized in the offense, and he wasn't, you know put in a position, really, to, you know, utilize his talents. And that's really the unfortunate part. And what's more unfortunate is that New England now has to deal with a $15 million cap hit going into 2022. It was either really going to be Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Haglor that was going to shine in the Patriots' offense, and unfortunately, Kendrick Bourne did win that battle. Now, I say unfortunately because Kendrick Bourne did make a ton, a really big impact, so I'm not really going to say... Unfortunately, but it certainly was unfortunate that we didn't get to see that much of Nelson Aguilar this past season. Now, let's move on to number four. Uh, We've got late-season Matthew Judon. This is the first weird listing that you'll see. Late-season Matthew Judon. What does late-season Matthew Judon mean, you ask? Basically, every game since week 14. Matthew Judon, for the first 13 games of this year, was delivering more than advertised. 12.5 12.5 sacks to that point, and things were looking promising. I even thought that he was going to end up breaking the Patriots franchise single season sack record that Hall of Famer Andre Tippett did with 18 in half sacks. Then he just disappeared, like he was Thanos-snapped away from the team. Maybe that probably wasn't the best joke, but you get my point. Judon simply didn't show up, especially when the Patriots needed him the most. Out of New England's final five games after after the Week 14 bye, four of them were arguably season-altering. Judon didn't record a sack in any of those games, which really did reduce his free agency rating after this. I mean, I had him really at at the Week 14 bye mark as probably one of the best signings in free agency in itself. And honestly, I also had him as a Defensive Player of the Year nominee, though, at that point. I think that it was really TJ Watts' award as well. But he just disappeared after week 14, forcing fans to refer to the narratives that Judon was just a system player in Baltimore and only gathered sacks because he had all pro talent around him. Now personally, I don't believe that and I also don't believe that that fact that Judon overall was a bad signing. I do believe that he was probably one of the best signings that New England made over the entire free agency in itself, especially for his price. However, his absence was felt heavily and New England would have surely won one more game because of him, which ultimately probably wouldn't have set up that Bill's Pats wildcard game. So, yeah, his absence was certainly season-altering, and it really did make an impact, or rather, his lack of impact certainly did make an impact on the Patriots the rest of the year. Now, number three, this one's pretty expected. Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, or maybe you honestly didn't expect this. Either way, I certainly did. Uh, this is the first personnel grouping on this team, And this isn't a surprising disappointment. I think that we all know that Josh McDaniels was probably the most unimpressive part of this team. And, you know, despite all the new offensive additions to support Mac Jones and or Cam Newton, I mean, he simply just didn't use most of them. I mean, you take guys like Nelson Aguilar and Johnny Smith, you know, guys that New England paid nearly 50 to 70 million dollars for, And combined, maybe Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar maybe had a combined 700 yards off, like, maybe 40 catches at most. Maybe a little more than 40 catches, but you get my point. These guys simply were not utilized enough, and that starts with Josh McDaniels. Now, I'll give Josh McDaniels one thing in terms of credit, Mac Jones' development. Jones had an exceptional rookie year, and a lot of that can be attributed to how McDaniel's approach supporting his development, being able to make sure that the running game was the focus of the offense, leading to both the play action and overall passing game opening up, was a great way to use Jones' strengths to his advantage, making him look like a very good quarterback for many games over the course of the season. With that being said, McDaniels is the reason why the Patriots were held back offensively and why they're not in the AFC Championship game, I'll be completely honest. It's really the play calling, and New England has just been way too conservative offensively. And this can also be attributed to Bill Belichick, the second factor on this list. Yeah, a name that you probably didn't expect to be on this list. Bill Belichick also has a role in the Patriots' shortage of wins. I And again, it's, it has to do with Bill Belichick being way too conservative. I mean, more and more often, we're seeing the up-and-coming coaches that enter this league, guys like Brandon Staley, Zach Taylor, Sean McVay. I mean, these guys are reinventing the offense in general. Long gone are three and outs, and income going for it on 4th and 10 on your own 29. Maybe maybe that's just only Staley, but you get my point. I mean, more and more often, we're seeing teams go for it on offensively on 4th down, and more and more often, those 4th down attempts end up being successful. And so, really, what's disappointing is that Bill Belichick still has to go old school. And certain times, that old school approach certainly does work. But more and more often, we're seeing that it's hurting the Patriots rather than helping them. And I have three pieces of evidence to prove this. First one is when week four against the Bucks, But the Patriots were sitting at a fourth and five, down two points, just over a minute left. And they were just over the 50-yard line. And keep in mind, this was all in the rain. And they attempt a field goal. Now, already this is a bad call situationally. Kicking a field goal with a minute left over 50 yards away in the rain. That is already a bad call because not only is it a long field goal, but it's also in a bad weather condition. And the the opposing offense still has time to go down the field. And again, also Nick Folk, the Patriots kicker, was dealing with a hamstring injury. And like I said, it's also in the rain. Let's just keep that in mind. Oh, and then who were, who were the Patriots playing? Oh, they were playing the Bucks. Who's their quarterback? Oh, I don't know. Tom Brady. I mean, the guy has completed so many comebacks with under 30 seconds left, for crying out loud. A minute is plenty of time for him. So really kicking the field goal just doesn't make sense. I mean, if they can drive down the field, just complete that fourth and five, they can chew more clock and they can go down the field and kick a much easier field goal while also chewing more cluck, like I just said. And so, really, that decision in itself was a bad decision. But then you have the Cowboys game, where if we just leave out the 3rd and 25 out of the way, in overtime, it's 4th and six, and you're playing against one of the best offenses in the league. And this was also around the 50-yard line, and it was very close to hitting field goal range. And while that certainly didn't matter at that point in the game, I mean, New England can simply go down the field, use their running attack, and go down and score. I mean, I believe Damien Harris ended that night with nearly over, with over 100 yards. And so it, who says that he's not going to be able to gain even more after that? But I think at that point now we're getting too much hypothetical stuff, so we'll just keep it at the situation itself. It's 4th and six and you're playing against one of the best offenses in the league. You cannot punt, especially where they are situationally. New England cannot punt because not only is it a fourth and six, and really any short passing play can really get you six yards. But again, you're playing against one of the most explosive offenses in the league. And you can guess how the Patriots lost that game. They lost by a 35-yard touchdown, I believe, to CeeDee Lamb from Dak Prescott. I mean, they easily drove down the field, and they were easily able to score a touchdown. So really, going for it there has to be the number one priority. Because one, if you know that the opposing offense is so explosive— then really going for it has to be your only option because you know that there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to get the ball back. So that's one more thing. And then the third piece was against the Bills in the wild card game. I believe this one was a fourth and six as well, maybe a fourth and seven. But the Patriots are very much close to midfield, and they're losing by 14. And once again, the Patriots punt. This was the moment where I just knew that New England wasn't going to win this game because not only was the defense just incapable of stopping Josh Allen, but, I mean, the offensive play calling certainly didn't help as well. So really at that point in the game, you have to go for it no matter what. Any other coach except Bill Belichick would have gone for it in that situation, especially at the field position. It was at, If it was at their own 29, then fine. Maybe you don't go for it. Maybe you just punt away because at that point you're in a terrible situation. But it's fourth and six or seven, you know, around there. And New England is sitting at midfield. There is no logical reason why you shouldn't be go for it. Like I said, you're down 14, so you need points. And New England punts. This is three examples of how Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniels, either or, really have cost the Patriots in terms of their situational play calling. It's really unfortunate. And that, that those were three games that were cost... And the last one, the most important, because that was really the season ender. And so definitely very disappointing because I certainly expected better from both of them going into the season. But yeah, definitely two disappointing aspects of this team. Number two, we've got the run defense. And I don't want to go into this too much because you can really see other people analyze the Patriots run defense for what it is. But just to quickly touch on it, New England really did heavily invest in the defensive line during the offseason, signing Devon Gotchow, who was a great signing, and Christian Barmore, who was also a great draft pick. And still, the Patriots run defense was still bad, but this time, it had to do with the linebackers. New England really does need to refresh their entire linebacking group. Dante Hightower has to go, Jawan Bentley might have to go as well, and Kyle Van Nooyen I think that he's okay because he's also really good off the edge, but other than that, everybody else has to go. Ranking 24th in yards allowed per game with 126.5 and 26th in yards per attempt allowed uh, 4.6. Again, overall, New England has had a much worse run defense, especially last year. Last year's run defense was terrible uh, during the 2020-2021 NFL season. I mean, the run defense was atrocious, and the Patriots lost many games because their run defense was so bad, but... Especially, you know, in the past couple of weeks, New England certainly regressed in terms of their their run defense, and especially going into this year, after New England heavily invested in the defense, especially in the front seven, I expected them to do a lot better in terms of stopping the run, and they simply uh, failed in that regard. But number one, the most disappointing aspect from the 2021 NFL season for the Patriots was Johnny Smith. This is not a surprise. I was giving him a ton of flack early in the year for being an underwhelming signing, but the truth is, Smith was simply underused, and that's not his fault. This is because Josh McDaniels simply didn't use him to his potential. Smith is more than just a tight end. He's a running back in a pinch. He's a great blocker, and most importantly, he's one of the fastest tight ends in the league. He's one of the more athletic guys in the league, more than guys like Gronkowski, or you, know, you, you can even make the case more than Travis Kelsey, though Travis Kelsey is a freak of a human. But really, overall, Johnny Smith is a great tight end. hes I do think that New England did certainly overpay for him in free agency, and I thought that even back then. But it's not like Johnny Smith has no talent. He's not just a, a scrub where he really just doesn't have anything going for him. He is a great player, and he's a great tight end as well. But when you just catch 28 passes for 294 yards and a touchdown, you really just don't it's really disappointing, especially in your first season, where, you know, you really you really do want to make a big impact. And he did lead the yards after catch, but again, when you only catch 28 passes, that's not really a positive. However, there is always next year, and New England does have time to maximize his potential. They probably will reduce his salary going to next year, which is a plus because he is certainly carrying a heavy cap hit. And he also is a great blocker. But if New England wants to increase their pass attack, Smith is really the starting point. New England has a ton of great options offensively, but it just comes down to how they're utilized. I mean, especially last year in free agency, I mean, we were given the realization that we might have an Aaron Hernandez, Gronk situation, which honestly, we still could have. I mean, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith could still be those guys that could fill in the void. And Mac Jones might have a great set of tight ends, but. Really, year two is definitely going to be a defining point going into next year. Otherwise, I mean, John Smith is definitely going to be a guy that's going to be on the trading block after next year because if we don't see any development after next year, then, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing any development in year three. We might see some development in year three, but likely not. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.